Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want to continue a series that I began last week on Pentecost Sunday called Power to Be. Now, you'll understand that more as we go through this, this uh, teaching. Uh, many, many times, um, I think we have been trained by our earthly relationships that doing is more important than being. What does that mean? Well, you've got to earn love. You've got to prove love. You've got to do something to get something. And what I want you to begin to see is through the power of the Holy Spirit, God gives us the power to be, to be a Christian, to be a believer, to be a disciple, to be one that follows Christ. We need to understand that. That's so important. And we'll, we'll begin to study through. So we, we began last week. We uh, celebrated our first Sunday back on site was Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church. Now, you need to understand that last week, uh, uh, just like we're doing here at Calvary, that wasn't the only time we're going to go to church this week or that from now on. It was just the first time. And the birthday of the church wasn't just an event. It was the launch of the church. It's going forward. And we need to understand what does that look like in 2020? What does the church look like? Who are we and, and, and what is God saying? And how relevant is the church? In this day and time. I think it's never been more relevant. But just to give you the setting. I want to go to Luke chapter 24. And, and, and Jesus is speaking to the disciples. Following his resurrection from the cross. We know from scripture. There were 40 days. That he appeared to the disciples. After he was raised from the dead. On the 40th day he ascends back to heaven. And then for 10 days. They are praying in Jerusalem. In an upper room. And, and the Holy Spirit comes on them. And the church is launched. So let's get this setting. Let's look here in Luke 24, beginning in verse number 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now watch this. He says, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Many people say the Great Commission was the last commandment of Jesus, going to all the world and preach the gospel. Truthfully, it was the next to last commandment. He said the assignment, going to all the world and preach the gospel. He said, but wait before you do that, till you've been clothed with power from on high. Now look at verse 50. When he, when, uh, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So what did they do? He said, you wait. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So let's go to Acts chapter 1. Turn there with me. And we're going to uh, see this verse I want to teach you today. So, so what did they do for 10 days? They go back to Jerusalem. Obediently, they are doing what Jesus told them to do. They are praising. They are praying. They are waiting obediently. They don't know what's going to happen. They're not sure it's going to happen. But evidently, when it occurs, they're going to know what happened. So, so let's, let's pick this up. It's, this statement is reiterated. It's, it's, it's shared with us again. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, again, this is during those 40 days, 
on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. It was not, it was not an option. It was a command. What did he command them? Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you know who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit? The Gospels tell us. John said, Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. Once you're a born again believer, there's an encounter available to every Christian where Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Can somebody say amen to that? How many want everything Jesus does? I sure do. If Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, Father, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. So they asked him, so they met together, verse 6, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Watch this. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8 is the key verse to the whole book of Acts. Everything that has happened since then, I want you to get this. This verse is critical. It's the key verse to the book of Acts, the, the record of the church beginning. What did he say? But you will receive what? You'll receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. There are three words I want you to understand in that one verse today. They're very important. I want to step you through so we can see, you know, during this time there's a new word that's become really important, uh, and that's word, the word essential. Hasn't that word brought a new meaning to you right now? You know, everybody want to be an essential business so we can open. <laughs> you know, are you essential? You're essential? I got good news for you. There's never been anything more essential than the gospel of Jesus Christ, than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're essential. But to understand this verse is essential, and you and I functioning, enjoying, experiencing the reason we're on this earth right now, right? So let's look at this first word. There, there are three words I want you to look at today. The first one is power. Now that word is used in so many different contexts by so many different people. And, and our problem is, is that we look at this word completely from a human perspective. Unfortunately, even as believers, we only see this word from, 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 from a human earthly concept. So let's, let's look at this word power. You, you need to get this. We need to understand how vital this is to the everyday operation of the church. When I say the church, I'm not talking about this building. I'm not talking about the pastors. I'm talking about all of us. Somebody say amen. The church, I didn't hear it. I'll give you another shot. Someone say amen. amen. I know it was the mass. They were holding it back, right? That was it. Uh, so it, it's all of us, everyone in this room, everyone on our online campus, the church. So what does this word power mean? It's a Greek word, and the Greek word is dunamis. We get several English words from that. You, d- does that sound familiar? Dunamis. What about dynamite? What about dynamo? <clears throat> it's a power word. So, so we understand this word. I love it. it it's, it's, watch this. Biblically, the word dunamis, power, is both physical, watch this, and moral. Physical and moral. You know what that means? It not only affects what I'm able to do on the outside, it affects what happens to me on the inside. Now, this is what I love about the kingdom of God. Stay with me. This is what I love about real salvation. This is what I love about the power of the Holy Spirit that comes to dwell in us when we're born again. You see, I I love grace. Do you know what the term grace means? Somebody tell me. What's the definition of grace? It is what? Unearned favor. What a 
word, unearned favor. That means God gives me something I didn't pay for. God gives me something I didn't earn. He gave it to me first. You don't earn your way in to be a Christian. You don't work your way to being a Christian. Jesus paid the price on the cross. That's called grace. Grace means unearned favor. And we love it. We're saved by grace, Ephesians 2 says. So how many, let me ask you again, are thankful that you're saved by the grace of God today? One of the greatest statements in the world is that God will save you just like you are. Aren't you thankful you didn't have to get ready, earn it, uh, you know, deserve it, pay for it? You heard the gospel. You were lost. You were bound in sin. Some were bound to drugs, bound to alcohol, bound to lust, bound to perversion, bound to racism, bound to prejudice, bound to fear, bound to depression, just bound, bound, bound. But what happened? The grace of God stepped in the middle of your mess. said, I'll save you just like that. Isn't that amazing? amazing. Hey, listen, I walked into a church on a Friday night, lost, going to hell, bound, habits, wrapped up, tied up, and I walked out a born-again, Holy Spirit, forgiven, clean, righteous, accepted in the eyes of God. Is that amazing? One of the greatest statements in the world is that Jesus loves you so much, he will save you just like you are. But I love the next statement that dunamis tells me is that he will not only save anyone anywhere, anytime, in any condition, but he loves you too much to leave you in that condition. Come on. I'm thankful I was forgiven, but I'm thankful I was transformed. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's one thing to be forgiven and saved. It's another thing to be set free and delivered. Come on. Aren't you thankful for that? You're not who you were. When you came to Jesus. Now I'm not yet who I'm going to be. But I'm sure not where I started on this thing. Come on. Anybody with me on the journey? So see. Dunamis says. Come on. If you don't preach this gospel. You're not preaching all the gospel. You're just giving a little eh. Do you want a little eh? I don't think we got time for eh. This day and time. I don't think we got time for a little halfway mamby pamby church. Come on. Tell the truth. You know. If you want. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. If you want a little wussy pastor. Trying to use political correctness. You want a wussy pastor to preach a wussy gospel. Tickle your wussy ears. This is the wrong place. We're not going to do it. (laughs) You know why? Because God's too good and great for you and I to water down the word of Almighty God. So what the word word says, dunamis says, that power, strength, might, not only physically but morally, that when we accept Jesus, when we begin to be clothed with power from on high, he changes us from the inside out. We're not who we used to be. We're transformed. Come on, somebody thank God for that. So it's a physical and moral. See, God, God is always concerned, not just about what you do and what people can see. He's concerned about who you are. He cares about what nobody else can see. He's real. He loved you in the nitty-gritty places. So, but, 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 but this word is we continue to understand this dunamis, Holy Spirit power. It's strength, might, and ability. It's, it's something inerrant that resides in us. But it's essentially referring, watch this, to not just power, but power in action. It's an action power. It's strength realized in 
action in motion as we begin to go. It's power in operation. When, do you know this word dunamis is used 120 times in the New Testament? It wasn't just isolated for the reverends and the bishops and the apostles. It wasn't just something that happened uh, on a Sunday. It wasn't just a Sunday word or an in-the-building word or, or a 1% word. It was the lifestyle of the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In Jesus' ministry, uh, the word dunamis is often translated in the Gospels, wonderful works, mighty works. He went into a city and there were many mighty works. The power, the dunamis of God was coming out. As we move into the church, the, this, this word dunamis is translated miracles, wonders, signs. It refers to the angels. It's the supernatural. It's the standard of the church. How many heard what I said? It's not a limited word. It's not, it, it's not a confined word. It's, it, it's, it's the gospel. Do you know that in, in the uh, Lord's Prayer, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. How do we pray? How do we, how, they watched his life. They watched who he was. They watched what he did. These men watched him and, and, and they connected. They connected what he did with his prayer life. They realized how, what he's doing here is connected to how he prays. So they said, we want to pray like you pray. Watch this. Dunamis power that's open to the church that we desperately need. And this is, he prays his prayer. And then at the end, come on, you know the Lord's prayer. What did he say? For thine is the kingdom and the, oh, that's it. That's that word. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you know what he said? It's your kingdom. And this is your power. Do you know what dunamis is? It's when heaven invades earth. It's when something heaven has and earth needs manifests itself. The power of God, I want you to hear me today, is not a human entity. It's not an earthly concept. The dunamis of God is not something a man or a woman can generate. Are you with me today? The power of God is not the property of a denomination or a religion or a race or a city or a geography or a building. The power of God is when heaven comes to earth. It's something above our natural. How many of us realize now, did you ever dream a year ago that you'd walk through a pandemic? Did you ever dream you got to put a mask on to go inside to buy your groceries? Did you ever dream we had to wait three months to get back in church? Did you ever dream that now if somebody coughs, everybody runs like, my God, what was that? You know, people, you know, you never even think about that. You're in the grocery store, somebody goes, <coughs> you're like, Jesus. Did, huh? Did you ever think we couldn't go to church? And now we're sitting around like six feet, six feet. Where are we? Come on. We didn't see that coming. And here we are gripped in, in, in a moment of, 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 of racism and injustice. And we're grappling with these issues that are, that are pooling and ripping the fabric of our culture. And, and, and this isn't something new. It's, it, it's been systemic. It's been going on. And finally, you know, these, these things that have happened recently with the death of George Floyd and others, it's like this, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. 
And these, these, these rivers, these currents of frustration and, and, and injustice have boiled up on the surface. And we're looking at that. And I'm listening to people and everybody's trying to solve it. But I'm going to tell you something. There is an answer for what's hurting this nation. There is a solution to what's robbing us and ripping us, releasing fear and hatred. It is Jesus. If we need the power of heaven to invade this earth, we're not going to solve our problem with an earthly institution. A political party doesn't have the answer. A politician doesn't have the answer. We're not going to develop this in our own strength. But there is a God who wants His kingdom to come, His will to be done, the power of heaven. It's above who we are. This power is supernatural. Is that spooky or weird? That ought to make you shout. I just said our natural can't do it. I, I, I know you're all that in a bag of chips. I mean, I know that. I know you're smarter than everybody else. I know that you know more. I know that nobody knows what you know. <laughs> but I know one that knows more than you know. And I know one who's touched with all the feeling of our infirmity. And you think natural is going to defeat natural? Come on. We need to put some super on our natural. We need to have the power of God invade this place. Power, dunamis, that, that's that word. You have to understand it. You, we have to try to grasp what is available and why he said he empowered us. See, the, the, the power of God always has a purpose. Not just random power. God's not just flexing and showing off. He's releasing a purpose. There's something it does. The next word I want you to see, we read her in Acts 1.8. He says, I'm, you're going to receive power to be my, my, say my, my witnesses. We, we, we miss this. He's, what kind of witness? Who are, we, who are we to be witnesses of? Jesus. Jesus. He said, you're going to be my witnesses. See, the world doesn't need to see a better version of George Sawyer. They need to see Jesus. Are you with me? The world doesn't need to see uh, a witness of Calvary. It needs to see a, this church, Calvary Assembly. It needs a witness of Jesus. See, so he said, this power that is essential, if we're going to really be the church, has a purpose. And the purpose of this power is that we become a witness of Jesus. Now, what, you under, what we need, everybody says, everybody agrees, yeah, 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 I get that, I know, it's Jesus. But listen to me. Not the historical record of Jesus. We're not empowered just to keep a history book. Okay? We're not empowered just to have a museum where we come together. This is what he used to do. This is what he used to do. This is what he used to do. Here, here's where he healed. He, he used to heal. Look at this. Wow, wow. This, this is who he was, man. Oh, if he was here, um, he's here. We're not empowered to have a Jesus museum. Okay. We're, we're, we're not empowered just to have a, a someday Jesus. Now, my someday is looking real good right now. Is yours? Because my someday has heaven in it. I got a really good someday. Come on, how many, how many are going to go to heaven? You going to go with me? We're going to be rowdy in heaven. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. We're going to be rowdy. People that, whose favorite verse is, be still and know that I'm God. You're going to act up when you get to heaven. You're going to act up. You know, some of you that have never budged in church, I love you, it's okay, come on, we budge enough for you. But I, there's some, you know, you, they, you would think they're petrified wood. 
That's okay. That's all right. I'm just glad you're here. Come on. But, but when you get to heaven, I'm going to tell you, you're going to act up. Your wife's going to look at you and say, my God, he's alive. You're going to be praising and ripping and running, shouting and blessing God. Hey, okay. So someday's good for us. Listen, we're empowered to be a witness of Jesus. Not just who he was. And not just someday, but what about today? We need some Jesus in the middle of COVID-19. We need some Jesus in the middle of how we learn to love each other and break some things down that have, that have been around too long. We, we need Jesus. So, so what, what we were empowered to do is, is not just repeat history lessons and promise pie in the sky, but listen, I, I use this word often because I think it says it. We are here to represent him. Not just represent, this is what he did, this is what he'll do. But are you ready? Represent him. Represent him. We are literally here to be empowered by God so that people see him again. I, I want you to look at John 1.14 with me. We got it in the NIV and in the message translation. John 1.14. I want you to see this. It's, it's so critical that you get this. John chapter 1 verse, verse 14. Look at this. The Word became flesh. Now, what's the Word? See the capital letter? That's a title for Jesus. So, so what happened? The Word became flesh. What's that talking about? The incarnation, the virgin birth. See, God had forbidden Israel to ever make an idol or an image of Him. There were no pictures, portraits. There were no idols. There was nothing. No one had ever seen a representation of God. They believed in him. They, they had seen the evidence of God. There was no physical image, all right? So Jesus comes, and what does he do? He puts on our skin. He puts on a human suit. He didn't stop being God, but he stepped inside our flesh. Now watch what happened. It's amazing. Finally, the Word became flesh, see? And what did he do? Came right to us. Made his dwelling among us. And then what happened? Finally, what happened? We saw God. We saw God. We have seen what His glory. Oh, it was glorious. See that dude with those wonderful works, those mighty deeds, the goodness and kindness. Oh, we saw God, the glory, the one only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay. Where's the body of Christ now? Where's the body of Christ now? That one was crucified, buried, raised to life, and ascended to heaven. So where's his body now? How's that going to happen now? The church. We're the body. You got that? We're the body. He put us on now. Are you with me? I love. Look at this in the message translation. Come on, here's what we need. So look, here it is. The word became flesh. What happened? I love that line. And moved into the neighborhood. Well, I almost get my hoop on that. Look, he moved into the neighborhood. He put, we're the church. Are you with me? He's in us. And he has empowered us with his dunamis, heaven, strength. Why? So through us, he can walk right into the neighborhood. Let me tell you something that, that I know happened. Many, many of you aren't old enough to remember, but, but back in the 60s, America was being ripped apart by riots. These riots, were, were there, there were some uh, uh, 
social injustice things going on then, some, you know, some, some uh, integration, segregation things. But the big push right then was the war protest. There, there was protests everywhere. Camp, college campuses were radical, violent places. And Berkeley, California was the hotbed, was the, was the centerpiece of where these, these anti-war riots and demonstrations were, were just roiling the, the culture then. There, there's a man who came to Calvary in the late 90s, Mario Morello, who's an evangelist. He is an evangelist. And Mario Morello, stay with me, began his ministry on the radical Berkeley campus. This place was so radical, you, you just can't believe. I mean, it was all this stuff rolling through our culture for the first time. Mario said they had an on-campus meeting and, and you know, he's standing up to preach and, uh, and, and, the, and these young fiery kids, uh, college students full of the Holy Spirit would come up and say, Mario, Mario, we're so excited. We brought three witches tonight. And he said he's trying to preach. He's looking back there. They're casting, trying, to, trying to cast a spell on him. One guy came in one night, he said he had a tambourine. He had broken the skin out of it, slipped it over his neck. He said he was a rattlesnake. And he said, I'm trying to preach. And he just, you know, hit his shoulder. You know, that was his, that's his audience. But these riots were ripping the place up, just destroying everything around them. And God spoke to them. Watch this. And those young college students at Berkeley, Haight-Ashbury, the, the epicenter of the, of the anti-war protests, Things are just getting out of hand. Police couldn't do anything. You know what happened? Put it back up. Put me 14 message back up. 114 message. So, so God speaks to these college students and do the power. And you know what they began to do? They would come and pray when a riot would start. And they would rush out into the middle of the riot. The word became flesh and got right in the neighborhood. And they didn't point their finger at people and yell at them and call them names and say, I'm good, you're bad, and all that. They just began to pray and worship, walk back and forth, skin on. Word became flesh, moved into the neighborhood, anointed by Almighty God. It took about a month and a half, but there was never another riot on the Berkeley campus when the power of God put on flesh and walked into that thing. You say, Pastor, can that happen? I'm telling you what happens. When God empowers His church, and we're willing to get out of a building and go into a neighborhood and live for Jesus in real tangible ways. You know what happens? People see with their own eyes. There's a real God. There's a real Jesus. We're here to represent Jesus. We're empowered to represent Jesus, who he is, what he does, the fruit of the Spirit, love, kindness, gentleness, self-control, these kind of things, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Here, let, let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 1. See, we're here to be and do who he was. How many heard what I said? We're here to be and do to represent Jesus. How is this world being ripped and pulled in every direction going to see Jesus through you, through the church? empowered by the Holy Spirit. Listen, they don't need to see us. They need to see Jesus. Anybody with me? They don't need to hear another opinion. They need to see Jesus. They need to encounter that. So look at this. I love this. I love this. I love this. So, so how do we do? Come on. How do we do the Jesus stuff? How do we do that? Pastor, that's a pretty tall order. How do, how do well, I understand where to be who he was? Like, we're kind, we're gentle. Listen, I, I need... The same anointing of the Holy Spirit that will allow these gifts to flow, you need to make the fruit of the Spirit flow in your life. Huh? That's the power of God. To love people that don't love you? Do we need some of that going on in America right now? 
to bless the people that are spitting on you? Hmm? To pray for those that despitefully use you? To walk in the grace and the fruit of the Spirit? I, I, we need some Holy Spirit anointing. But we not only carry the nature of Jesus. Listen, church. We're commanded to demonstrate the actions of Jesus. How are we going to do that? How's that going to happen? Look at this. 1 Corinthians 12, 1, he said, Now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. That phrase, step back on verse 1. The gifts of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, that's a phrase in English that comes from one Greek word. The Greek word is charismata. It's where we get the word charismatics. Who are charismatics? There are people who believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in operation. We, we believe that. Because the Bible initiated has never stopped it. Now, watch this. Why did you have to do a phrase, gifts of the Spirit, to describe one word? Charis is the Greek word for grace. Thank, thankful for grace. Mata are manifestation. Grace. So these gifts I'm about to read to you are works of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. And how do they come in your life? By the grace of God. Oh, you mean I didn't earn it? Did you earn your salvation? You mean I didn't, I, I didn't go through all these? You, you're trying to tell me, Pastor, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit will flow through my life? Well, I guess I'll let the Word tell you that. Go to verse 7. Watch this. Watch this. Maybe mess your theology up. So who, who do these gifts flow through? You tell me. You read it. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? Let's read it again. Now, to whom? Well, I thought it was just the pastor or the apostles or the prophets or the evangelists or the teacher or the bishop or his holiness or the pope. Somebody. Everybody. Are you reading this with me? I mean, I didn't write this. There it is. I guess if that didn't apply today, we should have had a clause. We should have got a, a lawyer somewhere, right? And put, now to each one, stopping 1,900 years ago, who's not there? The manifestation of the Spirit is, why is it given? Common good. It's not because we're big and bad. Listen to me. People, we're the church. And it's not about, well, that guy's got a gift. Well, that lady's got a gift. You missed the whole thing. No, the Holy Spirit is present. The power of God is here. Not to bring glory to a human being, but to represent Jesus. So what do these gifts look like? Let's go to verse 8. Watch this. To one there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom or a word of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Okay, let's keep going. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. See? To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Look at verse 11. It says it again. All of these are work of what? One and the same spirit. And he distributes them to just as he determined. So every spiritual gift that flows through your life is not because you said, well, I asked God to give me the gift of miracles. Look what I have. Go home and pray some more. And then come back and let's talk. Well, look at me. I'm a big bad boy. I pray somebody got healed. You know what? By yourself, you can't heal a mosquito. By yourself, you can't raise a fly from the dead. But when the power of God is operating through his church, it's not about us. It's supposed to be an encounter that is so like Jesus that they look beyond us, the word made flesh, the spirit in the body, and they say, God is with us. 
Jesus has come in the neighborhood. I see Jesus in my neighborhood. I have hope in my neighborhood. I have strength in my neighborhood. I couldn't kick this habit, but God kicked this habit for me. I couldn't love this person, but now God loves this person. I couldn't change this. This isn't my ability. The word I want you to see is that it is dunamis, and it is it is what? It is my witness. We are to be witnesses of Jesus. Let's be genuine here. If we are not who he was, how are we his witness? If we don't live like him, if we don't do what he did, how are we presenting him? If all we do is say he used to and someday he will, but people need him right now. Listen, I have people asking me to pray for them that have never asked me to pray for them. You get a coronavirus and everybody believes in healing. Come on, don't shout me down. I prayed for people in crazy places. People used to say, Pastor, pray for me. And I, oh, and I said, okay, let's right now. Oh, you can do it at home. Listen, right now with the coronavirus, you can pray for them in the grocery store, on the parking lot. No, they don't care. Just pray, Jesus. The atheists are saying, heal me, Jesus, Jesus. Listen, you get enough need and people want Jesus. That's who we are. That's what we do. Let me end with this. That third word. See, power to be my witness. But then I love this because remember I told you the word be. Be. Not do. Just be. See this assignment to represent Jesus has power to enable us to do it. With the assignment came the ability. With the purpose came the power. But what I want you to see it's not something you earn it's something you receive. It's not, it's, it's, it's not something that after I've run this race and proved myself, at the end, God gives me power. No, it's what he gives you at the beginning because you can't run that race without that power. Anybody with me? Go to Mark and we're going to end with this passage. Mark, Mark chapter 16. Let me show you a change. Let me, let me give you a word. Mark 16. A transformation. Listen, Mark 16. A transformation in their spiritual DNA. <laughs> the power of God... Operating in our lives will transform our spiritual DNA. Change you at the very root. You know, one of the terms the Bible uses with the work of the Holy Spirit is regeneration. Regeneration. You're made new from the gene structure out. Did you get that? You're just looking at me. Regeneration. From the deepest part of you, the Holy Spirit makes you someone new. Watch this, guys. Listen, if these guys didn't get it here, what's going to happen? Mark 16, final passage. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And now people have seen that. They're beginning to share that with the disciples. Watch this. So we're here in Mark chapter 16. Let me just go and let's look at verse 11. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 11 is fine. So what had happened? Jesus had been raised from the dead. Mary had come and seen the empty tomb. The Lord said, go tell my disciples. You ready? So look at verse 11. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they were excited, shouted, praised God, said, oh, yes. They didn't believe it. Can you see? Mary says, he's alive. We don't believe that. Wow. Verse 12. Afterward, Jesus appeared to a diff- in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest. But they didn't believe them either. <laughs> These are the twelve. These are going to lead the church. Jesus had died on the cross, been raised from the dead. Mary says, I've got great news. I don't believe that. Wow. 
Two other guys walk into the road to Emmaus and they come back and say, hey, we've seen him. He's alive. I don't believe that. I'm getting a little nervous about the future of the church here. Anybody else? Verse 14. Jesus, later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. If I had been there, which he didn't invite me to, if he would have needed my advice, which he never has, I would have said, you know, Lord, I, let's fire those 12 and start over. Tell the truth. We said, these guys are lacking. They've got a fundamental doubt issue in their life. They've walked with you three and a half years. You died on a cross. You were raised from the dead. And these knuckleheads still don't believe it. Let's go look somewhere else. This is, you're in trouble. That's what I would have said. But what did Jesus say? The next verse, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. What? Not those. They had a fundamental flaw in their spiritual DNA. They couldn't believe their faith was trampled. Their hope was gone. Anybody with me? See, and he says, all right, Three times they don't have faith. Okay, you go go preach. What in the world? He knew something. Come on. He knew something. He knew something that they didn't know. He knew something that was more shocking than their unbelief. More shocking than unbelief is that he knew something that would change all of that. Look, drop down and look at verse 20, ending this chapter. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. And confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. What happened? In verse 14, we don't believe, we don't believe, we don't believe. Jesus rebuked their stubborn unbelief. Verse 20, they're tearing the world up. What happened between verse 14 and verse 20? What took place between verse 14 and verse 20? Acts chapter 2 took place. The upper room took place. These ordinary, doubting, wavering men encountered the dunamis of heaven. They were clothed with power from on high. And it reached in the deepest part of them and changed who they were. What they did was a result of who they had become when they were clothed with power from on high. Church family, here's what I want to say to us today. In the middle of a virus that has, that has, that has touched the earth, in the middle of our national crisis that we're trying to find healing and unity, we do not need any more human intervention. We need a word from heaven. We need the power of God. We need a church. Listen to me. In the middle of this crisis, I'm convinced this could be the greatest hour of the church. I'm convinced that when it's darkest, the light shines brightest. That where sin abounds, grace does much more abound that on the backdrop of human failure the power of God makes a statement that there's hope and there's life I want you to stand with me want our worship team to come we're going to pray and then I'm going to dismiss you church family God's for us in this day can somebody say amen to that there is a power that God has invested in his church that allows us beyond ourselves. See, someone might say, come on, pastor. I'm an ordinary guy trying to pay my bills, trying to support my family. I'm just trying to live for God, and you give me this power stuff? 
and it's represent Jesus stuff? Yes, I do. Because God's for you and not against you. You know why you're going to receive this power? Not because you earned it, but because you need it. You're not getting it as a reward. You're getting it as a necessity. Can I tell you the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not an option. It's an essential in this day and time that we're living. And you know how you receive that? You simply by faith say, oh God, clothe me with power. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Oh God, would you do it? Oh God, would you fill me? God, would you you come in this vessel? God, would you make the church the church? Lord, let us rise up in this hour. We're the hope of this world. Do you understand that today? We're the hope of this world. See, church, we have something that this world doesn't have. And I'm going to end with this. You see, you know, some people said, oh, you church people, you're just going to hide in your church and pray. Well, anytime you denigrate prayer means to me, you don't even know what prayer means. (laughs) Because prayer has changed the world. But I might say to the church, oh, you're just hiding out. In, in, in denial, in your little church, praying. Come on, what, what's that going to do? Well, I understand that. But we're doing some things physically, tangibly. We're meeting, we're talking, we're having conversation. I'm doing everything I can do. I, I'm, I'm meeting with, with African-American pastors and leaders, and we're, we're working, we're moving, and, and, and we took a stand against injustice, and we're taking a stand against racism, and we're opening the conversation. We're doing things. But a lot of people could do that. But see, we're not only doing that. We got some dunamis here. See, we not only have the natural, we've got the supernatural. Church, listen to me. If you miss this as an hour, if you don't understand that behind this whole upheaval and turmoil, it's a spiritual battle raging for the heart of this nation. It's a spiritual battle. It doesn't mean these aren't real things, but it means it's a spiritual battle manipulating men and women, raising up fear and hatred and despondency. People becoming overwhelmed. I've had people I know that are leaders that have looked at me and said, I, I, I don't think this is going to ever change. I mean, it's always been this way. It's always been like this. Yeah, it's always been like this because the devil's been let set loose. But God, but God, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we're not just operating on one level. We're bringing another level in this thing. We're going to love and help and reach and feed in the natural, but we're going to come out of the supernatural at the same time. That's who we are. Maybe right here today, maybe our online campus, I've talked to a lot of people that are frustrated and angry now. I've talked to a lot of people that are losing hope and saying, I don't, what are we going to do? This is like one thing after the other after the other. I'm going to tell you, none of that's bigger than God. If the world runs out of answers, then they're going to really listen to the answer. Do you understand that? This is not time for us to run and give in. This is not a time, let me help you, to pick up other people's offenses. It's time to love like Jesus loves. Forgive like Jesus forgives. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that despitefully you. That's not weakness, that's strength. It's who we are. It's who we are. Church family, let's pray together right now. I want to pray for anybody hurting, wounded, discouraged, despondent, frustrated, angry. Come on, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray that heaven comes. We need a move. We need a move. We need a move. We need a move. Let heaven come. Let heaven come. Release your power in us, through us, to represent Jesus. What would Jesus do in our nation right now? He'd walk into the neighborhood. 
He would love the unlovely. He would bless. He would pray. He would heal. He would speak. He would give hope. He would kneel down in the dirt and lift up the woman caught in adultery. He would rebuke the Pharisee and the Sadducee. And he would say, bring them to me. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. He would rebuke the devil and bind hell. He would loose heaven. God, that's who we are. That's who we are. Give hope and healing. God, we need, need a move. <coughs> Pardon me. We need a move. We need a move. We need a move. God, for those that are lost and become discouraged, turn their back on God and the church, mad at men, and, 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 and let it turn them from God. Bring them home today in the name of Jesus. Bring the prodigal sons and daughters home. Just come to the Lord. Be healed, restored. Come to God today. Accept Jesus today. Lord, church family, would you join me? I want to raise my hands as a sign of surrender and trust. And I would say, oh God, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Would you just say that to God? Fill me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, God. Clothe us with power. Put dunamis on your people. Put dunamis in your people. We want to represent you, Jesus. We understand it's not just what we do, it's who we are. It's the being before the doing. It's the receiving before the going. It's a gift, God. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Here we are, here and now. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.